0: Hello and welcome
1: to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Kat. This is episode 229 and it's recorded January 30th, 2016.
0: So we just finished up the Green Lantern crossover and now we're back into the ongoing universe. With cool. 48, 49, and 50. Yes. So we have a two-parter and
1: the beginning of another arc and I don't know how many... Uh, I believe it's three.
0: Is it three? That 50 begins? Yeah. Cool. So this is a pretty big milestone for a Star Trek comic book because very rarely do they make it to 50. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because there have been many comic book series. DC,
1: Marvel. How many did uh, Gold Key have? Uh, I think they got to the 30s. 30s? Okay. So there's been many of them out there, but continuing publishing. And I don't see any any end in sight with the ongoing series? Uh, uh, no, not until they stop making the movies, but. Yeah. Which hopefully we'll see that the next movie is going to end up being commercially successful <laughs> and entertaining and uh, keep things going. That will be wonderful. And there's so much talk about a new TV series. So hopefully we continue the upswing in Star Trek related stuff.
0: Right. And as far as, you know, what IDW is being, what what they're spinning off of the ongoing, I mean, we, not only do we have the main ongoing line, but, you know, they've had the countdowns and the con miniseries and the Green Lantern crossover, and then there, right now there's a Starfleet Academy uh, prequel comic, uh, which is, you know, set during the time that Kirk and Uhura are in Starfleet Academy, um, but uh so i mean it it it's kind of cool how much i d. w has you know gone to the new continuity whale well. uh so there's lots of good stuff out there, yeah, that's I hope great. it continues wunderbar wunderbar
1: any other business no, i don't believe so, okay, so let's so, uh shall we do deity
0: uh you know what let's start at the the oldest one first.
1: Oh, you oh, yeah. you want to yeah. start with 50? <laughs>
0: okay. Now let's start at 48. I guess that just makes more
1: sense. Eh, chronologically, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Although we could mess with people and do them out of order.
0: Yeah, that would make them mad. Uh, sorry, everybody. We don't want to anger our listening audience. My, our huge listening audience. So, yeah, let's do it. Is, but speaking of our listening audience, occasionally we do get emails and reviews, and we very much appreciate them. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, any little feedback we get from you guys that that just proves that you are out there listening is uh, it means the world to us. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we think we're uh, speaking to uh, the emptiness of space, but no, we do get comments. You just passed one on uh, just the other day, so that was very
0: nice seeing that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and then we found a few on iTunes where somebody made posts. You know, I, I don't ever check iTunes, so. Somebody else mentioned, hey, you got, a, you got a few reviews. And I was just like, I do? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, please uh, write us and let us know what you think and, uh, and that you're out there. All right. Well, then, uh, saying that, let's get into issue number 48 of the Star Trek Ongoing entitled Deity Part 1 of 2. So this was written by Mike Johnson, art by Tony Shaston. Colors by David mastro Leonardo Story consultant Roberto Orki. Letters by Neil Yutaki And edits by Sarah Gatos. The main cover is a, a painting of Sulu, Ahora, and Scotty. And they're standing, or it's just their heads and chests, but they're in front of uh, several brightly colored planets. And then the photo cover is a picture of scotty so the story starts with sulu in a meeting with kirk and he is being given the command of his first away team he will be going down to the planet banks 216 to study a pre-warp civilization sulu and kirk go to engineering to inspect something that scotty's been working on when they arrive scotty is nowhere to be seen until suddenly his head pops up out of thin air It seems that Scotty has created a camouflage screen that makes anybody standing behind it completely invisible. They will be using this on their mission to view the aliens up close without ever being noticed. And Scotty says that he will be joining Sulu on the planet. So with that, Scotty spends some time gathering the rest of his away team. He chooses a woman botanist, a male uh, anthropologist, And a female security officer. Uh, None of these three have I seen in any of the stories so far. Soon the team is gathered and the five of them beam down to the planet. They make their way to a huge altar of some sort uh, that is made up of five spears that reach up into the sky. They almost look like unicorn horns a little bit, like five of them in a circle. So they're reviewing the markings on these spires when a storm starts to roll in. And as these clouds are gathering, aliens from the planet start to arrive, speaking in an unknown language. The crew stand behind Scotty's camouflage while they watch the bird-like creatures place little baby hatchlings on small platforms at the base of each of these spires. The head alien starts to speak or pray or something over the tiny little babies as the lightning storm arrives overhead. In orbit, the Enterprise watches as a huge crescent-shaped vessel arrives. This monstrous ship starts to take the babies from the planet in large pink columns of lightning. The electric tractor beam device causes Scotty's camouflage to blink out, and suddenly they are completely viewable by the aliens gathered around. To be continued.
1: (laughs) Uh Uh-oh! They're caught! But I got to ask the question. Did they have to make the aliens of Planet Bank 716 look like chickens? <laughs> yes. Yes, these aliens look like chickens. Chicken heads on human bodies. Uh, although the legs are still chicken like. But like the torsos. Right. I mean, they got robes and stuff, but <clears throat> their hands and arms
0: and upper trunk looks pretty much like humanoid. Right. But their hands even look a little. Uh, like chicken legs, so they don't yeah. have wings, but they but their claws and stuff that are coming out of the robes do look a little like chicken feet. Right,
1: but chickens—they look like chickens. <laughs> now they're quite colorful, and their clothes are quite colorful, and they're very colorful. Uh, they're very colorful chickens.
0: So, <laughs> interesting choice. I wasn't thinking chickens when I saw them. What were you uh, thinking? I was thinking more like a. I don't know. I was thinking like a a wild turkey type look because it has those goiters or something hanging off their their faces and things. So I was I was thinking more, I guess, a rooster like too. I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Definitely bird. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm not quite chicken. So it well, it
1: said chicken to me, but <laughs> it's, it it really put me off, especially in the first panel when you see them. It's like chickens. They're chickens, but. Uh, I must say, as the two issues progress, you get used to them. Uh, right. I get used to them, so I was taking them very seriously by the second issue.
0: And feeling bad for them having to give up their little babies? Uh, indeed. And
1: why? Well, we'll find out in the next issue. But they're doing it. They're doing it of
0: their own free will. Right. So. Well, you would too if a ship that big showed up. Because this thing is huge. Yeah, but they can't see the ship from,
1: well, unless it came lower into the planet, into the atmosphere. It, it
0: had to at some point because, you know, they're, the the leader or whatever, I'm assuming he's the leader, but yeah. he has a staff, and at the end of the staff oh, is crescent. a big yeah. crescent. Yeah. So they must have seen the ship at some point. Yeah, perhaps. But it's Plus way... Not something that big, I mean, how how far into the atmosphere would it have to go before they could see it? Because this thing makes the Enterprise look like a little speck. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, so
1: big, huge ship coming in and scooping up little babies. Looks like five of them.
0: And they're Ooh. picking
1: them up from what looks like some kind of, I don't know, phallic symbol Stonehenge or something. Because <laughs> there's like these five spires. Oh, there's five, five spires also, one for each child. Yeah.
0: Oh. For each show. Yeah, to uh, me, I thought they looked like the unicorn
1: horns, not, uh, not anything else. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, well, how many unicorn horns have you seen?
0: Okay. Uh, well, how they're seen... depicted sometimes? Yes.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> anyway, but it, it definitely looks like horn things. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It looks like, I mean, from a distance, it looks like it's a very naturally grown kind of thing. But when you look up close, it's got carvings and things. Uh, I don't right. know. I mean, it looks like it was actually fashioned by them. As right. opposed to being some kind of weird trees or something, uh, it looks like that it was fashioned by either the the, the natives, which I think was the case, uh, or maybe somehow placed there by the aliens to facilitate transport. I don't know,
0: but right. So, what do you think of, about the way that they were transporting them? The, the lightning know, thing. The lightning. The lightning. Tractor beam, really.
1: Well, yeah. So. It actually looks like lightning is coming down, enveloping the babies in a little, like, blob, circular blob of light, which the babies are within, and then they're being a set pulled upward. Right. Very odd. It's not like they're being pulled to atoms like in a transporter. It looks like they're physically just being scooped up by this lightning and just taken up into the sky. Right. Uh, I, it looks cool because it all is very lightning-y. So it's very
0: it's, a, it's very pretty. But. So how big is this Crescent thing? Because is it as big as the planet? I don't think so. So look at the two-page spread when it shows the Enterprise and the, the, the Crescent ship. Well, that's perspective. I but mean... part of the Crescent ship is behind the planet, and it's still monstrous looking. So the Enterprise is the closest to us, and it's a tiny little speck. And then the planet is in front of it. Well, I I think that's just perspective. Because I think in the next issue,
1: the Enterprise is pretty close to it. As a matter of fact, it appears to be pretty close to the open part of the Crescent, you know, between the two tips. Right. And, oh, it's a big ship, but it's, you know, it's not the size of a planet. Or at least compared to how how big it is compared to the Enterprise, which is very big, it still doesn't look like, like its planet size does here well that's perspective
0: well but it, it perspective and then it's broken perspective no no it,
1: where objects are actually physically placed within the picture you're looking at and your vantage point as the viewer
0: right but if I'm looking at something and there's a chunk of it behind something else
1: well I don't think it's behind anything uh, you said that and I don't I don't agree I don't think it's behind the planet it looks like it's in front of the planet to me or at least, it's it doesn't overlap with the planet in any way, so it's difficult to say. I personally, I think the Enterprise is closest to us. And then there's the Crescent ship, and then further away are the planets. You're looking at the two-page spread, right? No. I'm looking at uh, page 15. Page
0: 15. All right. Well, look at page... 18 on the 18, PDF. 18. And there is a portion of the ship behind the planet.
1: Yes. And again, that's a pl- that's a point of perspective. So, no, that to me does not make it look bigger than the planet. So there's the Enterprise, there's the planet, which you only see a, a small portion of, and right. then you see the Crescent ship, which you see all of that. So, no, it does not look the of size it. of... There
0: is a part of it that's behind the planet. Oh, oh my God.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, Donovan. There's uh, 7% you can't see. Exactly. Because yes. it's hiding behind the planet because it's so huge. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Um, no, I do not... I still do not believe it's as big
0: as the planet. Not nearly. However, it's very big. Right. And that's not the only perspective problem this, this issue has. This is a very crowded um, solar system because well, yeah. there's like four other moons right on top of it. Every every time you turn the page, you get a different perspective and you see four other moons or planets like right on top of Banks 216.
1: Right. And they must be moons because they're so close. I mean, they can't be other right. planets, Right. And, and, and you wouldn't think so. No, you wouldn't, because it's, it's just too close. And then behind all of that, there's like an like almost – is that the corona of their sun or something? Because it almost looks, again, like the same eye that is on the cover. So there's like a orange-red, fiery-looking um...
0: – There's an eye on the cover? I totally missed that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I assume that's the corona from the uh, from the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would assume so, too, but it's, yeah. a, it's a very unique way of depicting it. Exactly. It's very pretty. Yeah. They're very good in IDW with making things pretty. Uh, but, yeah, that almost, on the cover, it looks
0: almost like an eye that's looking over everything. But, anyway. Anyway, I'm so just saying, it's no, really I, big. I, I, I'm just saying, I don't think even planets that have lots of moons, yeah. they're that close. Oh, completely not. <laughs> oh, completely not.
1: Well, uh, what, Jupiter... You know, right. it at least has, what, four, like, pretty su- substantially sized uh, planets.
0: You know, they're very seldom anywhere near each other. But Right. And it's not like every time you turn your head, you can still see all four of them. Exactly. Well, it, it
1: you know, artistic license.
0: Yeah. No, I'm giving it to them. Yeah. It looks cool, it's, but I'm just yeah. saying it's... Uh... And then, then to have such a huge Crescent ship. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with you on... The perspective thing. I think they're trying to say it's that big. Uh, As big as the planet? Yes. Okay. Or at least the moon or whatever that is. I mean, if that's supposed to... I'm assuming it's supposed to be the planet, but it it could be another moon. Who knows? But it's ginormous. Right. Cool.
1: Anyways. It is very big. Not planet size. (laughs) Anyway, so, I kind of like the portable cloaking device. That Scotty has, and look how small it is. I mean, it looks like about the size. It looks like a cell phone. In fact, it looks like it might even be smaller. It definitely looks thinner than their stinking communicators. Now, I I, I'm just mentioning that they're communicators. They they're rocking the old school look in the reboot world, and it's a pretty big, clunky looking. Communicators that they use in fact it looks bigger than what they use in Enterprise uh, the Enterprise communicators were actually pretty cool looking um, smaller than, than TOS communicators and smaller than what they're using in the reboot universe and then they got this little thing that's able to bend light and throw up an invisibility a wall of invisibility there just seems to be an inconsistency there to me
0: right I did like the idea of the bending of the light. Yeah, Um, I mean, if you can buy that, they can make shields and stuff. Why not? Why not this? But the fact that he was saying that it would block all sound and everything except for maybe smell. Right. uh, That was the part that I was just like, how would it block sound? I mean, because sound's going to travel around it or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It. You know, Scotty's really good. He is really good. He was able to
1: create Green Lantern rings. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know about that i just it just seemed i mean i would think that if you have a personal invisibility cloak or something that would be a really cool thing a cool tactical thing to have Uh, don't the jem Hadar have something like that anyway right wouldn't it and the predators (laughs) the (laughs) predators yes yes predators um that would be really good standard issue (laughs) for security people too and it just seems right. unlikely that Scotty would be able to whip something like that up all on his own, He's a miracle worker. unless there was like incredible research or something. I mean, have they? They haven't stolen the uh, cloaking device yet, right? Nope. So I thought they didn't even know how to do a cloaking device, but Scotty not only knows how to do one,
0: but make it about the size of a cell phone. Right. Pretty good. Yeah. Now the only thing I could think of when I was watch it, reading this was the. Um... Star Trek Nemesis when, when Data has a similar device, but, oh, and he's able to run around with just his head bobbing around and things like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it completely. Yeah, it it com- and they're using it, it for the
0: same thing.
1: Um, exactly. So they were they made a a blind a duck blind kind of thing in mm-hmm. in Nemesis. Uh, yes. Was that? Was that Nemesis or the one before it? Oh, no, you're right. It was Insurrection. Insurrection, that's right. It was Insurrection. So, um, yeah, so that's next-gen time frame. That's a lot further. And they would have already had cloaking technology since Taw's days. So I kind of get that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It just seems – I mean, it's great. Wonderful. I'll go go along with just about anything. I just, (laughs) just thought, you know, Scotty alone develops
0: a cloaking device. Okay. Right cool. He's he's amazing. He is amazing. Totally. All right, what else you got for this one? Cuz I think that might be all I have for this. Okay. I
1: Saving found some of the
0: other stuff for later. Ooh, yeah.
1: I find the anthropo- anthropologist Furdo's mohawk. I found it a tad distracting. Sorry, I'm old. But he's got this mohawk thing. He's rocking this mohawk hair deal. And you know, I think to some degree it's kind of cool. Because it's like most people in the Star Trek universe have pretty contemporary hairstyles, you know, and you would right. think that over time, you know, things styles change or something. But most of the main characters either has a, uh, a mo haircut or other kinds of pretty standard, you know, semi-military haircuts. And here's this guy, anthropologist. He's got a
0: mohawk. It's a mohawk. I right. just thought I'd mention it. it was A little distracting. Well, for me and, and this hairstyle shows back up after this storyline it comes back it comes back right
1: <laughs> so Starfleet isn't too worried about mohawks so they you know they lose you know it's not like the, the current military about regulations about certain haircuts and things but um, that's good no saluting and you can have any haircut pretty much you want there you go progress <laughs> nice Last point, I thought it was really cool how this version of Kirk, uh, the Steve Trevor, (laughs) I I had to throw that in. Uh, The Chris Pine version of Kirk is really pushing, he's very nurturing to Sulu, to becoming a leader and he sees in him a future captain. And he's really pushing it. He's really giving Sulu the kind of opportunities to, you know, to progress and to become a captain and a leader in his own right. And I think that's cool, and that is the exact opposite of <laughs> what the Shatner Kirk ever did.
0: Well, you know why that is, right? Because of the actor, I think. No, you know why Why Chris Pine Kirk is pushing Sulu into being a leader? No, why? Well, it could be one of two things. Okay. One. They've read the script to Star Trek Beyond, and it's a plot point there. Okay. Oh, oh, I see. So you're literally... Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, and? And then here's my other one. What? When Spock mind-melded with Kirk, when old Spock mind-melded with Kirk, mm-hmm. and saw the future with, you know, the chat and <laughs> uh, I think he could have potentially have seen... Captain Zulu in the future and knows that they're both going to be captains at some point and he needs to do what he can to to make that happen. Huh. A self-fulfilling prophecy. Hmm.
1: Cool. I did not see it that way. Cool. But that that makes
0: sense. Very nice. Right. Very nice. But I'm I don't know if either one of those are true. It could just be that the writers here are fans of Captain Zulu and yeah. and are going to it that direction yeah. sooner than later. And maybe they also
1: want to right a wrong. So supposedly there was actually a scene written into one of the Star Trek movies where there was actually a scene where Kirk is walking down a, a corridor with Sulu, and he's congratulating him on, you know, becoming captain in his own right and going off to his own ship. Right. And supposedly, I don't know if this is true or not, but supposedly Shatner completely ruined the filming of that. Purposely what because he's got to be the only captain? I don't know. But supposedly he ruined that.
0: Right. That's what I always heard too and it was uh Star Trek 3. It was when when they were uh, about to no, I mean it was Star Trek 4 when they were going to uh get the Enterprise A. Right. That Sulu was going to go to the Excelsior and the rest of them were going to Enterprise A. And they ruined the shot so that uh that didn't happen in 5. Right. Oh well, yeah, you hope that that's not the case, but that is that is what I've always heard as well. Right. So,
1: I like this approach better, although he does seem to be pushing Sulu kind of hard. <laughs>
0: well, so, considering Sulu... that he's still brand new, he's still a brand new captain himself. Exactly. He's exactly. Fresh out of the academy, straight to being a captain, and he's already mentoring people. Yeah. So, what? It's only been has has it been a couple years now? Said
1: he's been captain. Yeah, maybe by a couple of years, okay. yeah. Okay. So maybe only a couple of years. And yeah, he's pushing Sulu to not only lead his own away mission, where Prime Directive is like a real consideration, because this is the first time they've gone down to be checking these people out, but they're going to give them untested technology to use. <laughs> uh,. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you just do all that, and uh, remember the Prime Directive, so we should be fine. Okay, off with you now. <laughs> and, and, oh, yeah, pull together your own team and be down there, like, in three hours. Okay, Great. thanks. I, I just think he's pushing
0: kind of a lot on him, but. No, I agree. But then, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm trying to justify it, and then I'm also in my head, like, you know, he's, like, telling to, you know, when I was your age... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so if you want to keep up, uh, you know, I'm giving you an opportunity to try to keep up. You know, exactly. I'm a good sport.
0: All
1: right. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. That's all I got. Okay, cool. Well, let's see how this one wraps up. All right. So this is Deity Part 2 of 2. Ongoing, issue number 49. Published date, September 2015. Writer is Mike Johnson. Story consultant, Roberto Orsi. Actually, everybody's the same. Yeah, they're the same. I'm going to stop there. The primary cover shows the heads and shoulders of Kirk and Spock, superimposed over the view of a beautiful city on the water, with mountains in the background. Oh, and by the way, part of the city looks like it's in the water, too. The subscription cover is a photo of Ohura at her comm station. Yawn. Sulu and his landing party that were captured by the natives that look like chickens in the last issue are being led somewhere. They have been disarmed and all their equipment confiscated by the chickens. Luckily their universal translator devices are still working so they can understand the natives and be understood by them. Sulu is quite depressed over his perceived failure in leadership and distressed over what will happen to the people he is responsible for, his landing party. After a long hike, the lead chicken points to their destination, a place they call the Drowning City. It is the beautiful city from the cover. Indeed, it does appear to be drowning. Sea levels must be rising since a significant portion of the city appears to be partially submerged. The rest is on higher ground and still dry. Sulu tries to explain. They are only there to observe. The alien is not interested in explanations and says the Airy will hear his words and no one else. Sulu cannot help but wonder what happened with the light show that led to their portable cloak blind going down. He hopes the Enterprise noticed it and is looking for them. Meanwhile on the Enterprise, they are analyzing the power transfer that took place from the surface to the huge black crescent-shaped ship before them. It easily dwarfs the Enterprise. Kirk wonders how much power it would take to run such a thing. Spock reports during the energy transfer from the surface, organic material was carried to the ship, but the nature of that material is most curious. Meanwhile, in the chamber of the guiding assemblage, four elders from the Felidae people are seated. Sulu and his landing party are brought before them. The third elder introduces the assemblage and asks Sulu to explain his existence. Since they were not foretold in the scrolls of the deity, they cannot exist. Sulu introduces himself and says they are from a place called Earth, many light years distant that they are on a peaceful mission of observation. They are not here to interfere. The elder has no idea what light years are or half of the concepts Sulu is trying to get across, so he says he is speaking in riddles, which is forbidden by the deity. To anger the deity is to invite another deluge. Scotty whispers to the others, saying it sounds like their version of a god. They must have seen offerings being given to it. Sulu restates Scotty's generic wording and says they sacrifice their own young. Sulu asks why did the deity try to sink the city. The elder explains that the deity demands an offering of new life, so they complied for a long time, until the wayward ones denied the deity its gift. The result was a deserved penance, a wall of water sent to our city to cleanse the Philidae of our folly. As the story completes, Uhura's voice is heard in the room asking Sulu for his status. He gives it, saying they are fine, but the storm blew their cover and they were taken into custody by the locals. The Elder asks where the voice is coming from. Who hides among you? Kirk says he is beaming them up. Spock asks his captain to wait. The Prime Directive says, if we are discovered, we need to do all we can to minimize the impact to the indigenous people. Beaming the landing party up will expose them to transporter technology. Kirk counters that they don't have any better alternatives. Sending the shuttlecraft down would be just as bad, and asking the landing party to attempt an escape is too dangerous. Kirk has them beamed up. Suddenly a loud and powerful voice starts resonating throughout the ship. Strangers! You are interfering with the Philidae! Your intrusion is unwelcome. And we'll cease now. Kirk says he wants to know who they are first. The voice responds matter of factly, Our name is beyond your language, our nature beyond your comprehension. Kirk says, Try us. Sulu enters the bridge, saying the captain may not want to antagonize these guys. Kirk asks for a report, and Sulu gives it. A pre industrialized society whose god demands sacrificing their young to it. Spock confirms his earlier scans detected genetic material in the energy transferred to the ship in orbit. Scotty says, what would advanced beings be doing with the wee ones? Uhura says, for control. It's the ultimate expression of control over a population. It's robbing them of their hope. The booming voice says, enough. Your intrusion invites our wrath. Lightning-like energy is shot out of the Crescent ship at the Enterprise. Chekhov reports shields are down to 80%. Kirk calls for red alert. Arm photon torpedoes. Spock counsels caution. They have no idea of this ship's capabilities. They should withdraw until they know more. Testosterone Kirk says they are not running. Kirk asks if the scans of the energy stream that carried the children to the alien ship could be traced to where they materialized. Chekhov says the signal is weak, but scans located the children aboard the ship. Kirk orders Chekhov to prepare to beam the children off that ship. Spock and Kirk have a short debate about interpretations of the Prime Directive in their present situation. In the end, Kirk says logic does not apply at this point. They need to do what is right. Kirk orders Chekhov to beam the children off the ship and back to the last coordinates of the landing party. The four elders are nervously discussing what to do. One has the guts to question how long they must be beholding to the deity. As another says he speaks blasphemy, five of the sacrificed Philede children are returned. The blasphemous one says, blasphemy, his words may be, but their children have been returned to them. Another says, perhaps everything has changed forever. Back on the Enterprise, the attack intensifies. Kirk orders, photons fire. They hit the Crescent ship, and in a flash of light, the ship disappears. They think they may have destroyed it, but there is no debris. They hope the huge ship was only used to taking advantage of pre-warp civilizations, not fighting a ship with some teeth, but they're not sure. Spock warns they have involved themselves in the affairs of two previously unknown species. Kirk says, with resolve, that means we have a responsibility to the Philidae. Ready or not, they need to make first contact and welcome the Philidae into the galaxy. Pre-warp or not, they're part of it now. Later, Sulu joins Kirk in a conference room for what he thinks will be addressing down for his failure on the away mission. Kirk says there is no way Sulu Could have known an advanced alien race Would shoot lightning down On your observation of the native uh, Rituals that caused Scotty's Camouflage to fail Kirk says Sulu did a great job of dealing with The unexpected The experience he gains will help him When he gets a ship of his own someday Sulu thanks his captain The end Aww Aww Yeah He does he says thanks Thanks, Cap. Yep. <laughs> so good. Kirk, Kirk is right. I mean, he knows away missions. Stuff happens. You got to react.
0: Yeah, him naming off the reasons why they can't reveal themselves, I thought was pretty funny because he did all of that in whatever the last one was. What was oh, Into Darkness. Into Darkness, right? Yeah, I mean, he brought down the whole Enterprise. <laughs> Exposed it to the natives. <laughs> showed the phasers, showed everything. Yeah. And again why would you put the ship underwater?
1: I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh yes. That's a very good question, Gabe. Yes, very good yes question. I, I we've never asked it before. <laughs> yes. But anyways. Yeah. So I just thought it was funny. It was. Uh, I gotta say, one thing about this story I think it had Something really important at stake Which I really kind of dug The children Now I know it's, 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 a, it's a device Everybody loves children, want to protect children You know, making the children Especially the babies, the wee ones at stake Is a little manipulative But um, I was just a little choked up When they were able to find a way to transport the kids back So I, I kind of like that So you have a heart after all, Ken. Not much of one. (laughs) But like the Grinch, it, it grew a little the day I read this. Anyway. Funny. Yeah, so a lot of times when you know you have kind of things, and especially in TOS, where you know the prime directive is this or that, and then you know, oh, the Klingons are there, and it's like, okay, they gave them rifles. Okay, we'll give them rifle barrels, and it's like a a balance of power kind of thing, and it's all kind of geopolitical and stuff. This right. one, I think, more than any first contact story before it, was much more personal with the kids being at stake.
0: Right. And really skewed. I mean, we're talking about th- their, This other this other race is being worshipped as a deity. Yep. So, you, know, you don't have to really worry about what you're doing to their society because it's already so messed up due to the other influences. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you got to
1: ask yourself, though, what the hell would an advanced society like this need with those those kids?
0: Yeah, they never explain it, do they? No,
1: no, no, no. We're just taking them. Yeah, we're not going to say what we're going to do with them, but yeah, we're just taking them.
0: I think they take them to the Kentucky Fried Chicken factory.
1: Ooh, the Tyson factory.
0: Ooh, those are finger looking good. Oh,
1: little youngins. Ah, uh, okay. So, Torchwood. You you're familiar with that one, right? BBC series. Spinoff of Doctor Who, there you yeah. go, Captain Jack Hark- Harkness. So there was uh, like a mini series kind of thing after the show ended its run, called Children of Earth. It was like a four part mm-hmm. or five part, I don't know what it was. Right. But in that one is a very similar story where yep. aliens come down and they want human kids. Now I'm not going to go into more details about that, but the main point is they use them. As a, they use, they use the kids as basically a drug factory. So they somehow, through goopy, you know, pipes into the kids and whatever, are able to use the kids to create a drug which these aliens are like, get stoned on or something. So it's like, ooh, and it's like really addictive. And it's like, oh, that's ooky. But, um, well, there's an example of what you can do with human kids. Uh, But I hope it wasn't something like that. Right. Anyway. Yeah, I wish they would have told us. Well, I mentioned this to you via texting before the show. I thought it was really abrupt when they ended it. A lot of things weren't explained. Who were the Crescent ship aliens? They got to be bringing those guys back at some point in the future, I got to think. But who are they? Why does a few photons get rid of them? And what were they doing with the kids? I mean,
0: it just seemed like it stopped fast. To me right it really did yeah but i mean i i enjoy these idw ongoing stories don't get me wrong but one thing over the last 50 issues that they don't do a lot of is bring back storylines i mean can you think of any that they've like st- established something and then several issues bring later it. bring it back they haven't <sighs> Probably right. I mean, I, I mean the, I, the closest thing we had was that mysterious shadow person that was talking to the Romulans at some point. But but once that storyline finished, we haven't really had anything. Yeah, like that. It's all been pretty standalone stories. Right. Um, didn't we have a um,
1: the daughter of Harry Mudd or something? Yeah, she. Or... Was, well, she just
0: showed up and never. We've never seen her again.
1: Right. It, it, uh, yeah, I'm reinforcing.
0: I'm reinforcing yeah, what you're I mean, saying. I guess the only thing that's close is, and again, it was in that same same story arc. Uh, Sulu's sister. I mean, we we were kind of a yeah introduced to her sister, and then several issues later, something happened to her. Yeah. But aside from that, there really hasn't been much yeah uh, carryover, right? Yeah. So I kind of doubt we see these crescent shaped aliens again. Yeah,
1: maybe not. But uh, and they could just be using them and burning them and getting rid of them but it
0: seems like uh, I'd like to know more about what the deal is right and this ship was huge so I mean it's a formidable ship so what what would they need little five chickens for and (laughs) And why did they why did they they run off so
1: easily and not only those five chickens they've been doing this for a long time I have the impression so it could have been five chickens times uh, four times a year times
0: uh, how long back in history I don't know right. And that was another question that I never got answered was uh, you know, we saw the lightning storm rolling in over the hills and stuff in that last issue. And then when the lightning storm is above the spires then then the ship shows up and starts sucking up the kids through through the lightning, the pink lightning. Mm -hmm. Did the ship create the lightning storm that was rolling in? Because it wasn't there yet. And if it didn't, then is it just like you know, hanging back somewhere and watching the weather patterns and when there's a lightning storm comes in there to suck up the kids, why would they care at that point? I mean, it's like... All good questions. Like, were they waiting for the lightning storm so that they could use that as an excuse to oh, suck up the uh, kids with the lightning? I had, I had kids, more the impression why? they
1: were causing it.
0: But how? Because they weren't there. Well,
1: you didn't see them. I mean, who knows? Uh, at they, the end... Maybe they had Scotty's blind thing? Well, at the end of the second story... Uh, they just disappeared, right? I mean, there yeah, was. That's true. Did, did they just slip into a parallel dimension? Uh, do they have instantaneous transportation abilities? Uh, I don't sure, know. Why not? Uh, I mean, they they, c- they could have just been uh, unseeable and manipulating the weather. And it's like, okay, time to get the kids. You know, drop the you cloak. Know, good point. I don't know. Good, point. I don't, good know, point. I don't know. Obviously, they can do many things. So. The full extent of their power is not clear. And I fear it never will be. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Anyway, so... uh, Yeah, so I I thought it was was a good two-parter.
0: Yeah,
1: I kind of liked it. Agreed. I enjoyed it. The artwork was great, as always.
0: Yeah, Yeah, again, and we've talked about it before, my only complaint on the artwork is the washed-out backgrounds. So... Instead oh, right. of yeah. Details in the Instead of making it look photorealistic, the backgrounds are just, like, outlines of what it's supposed to be yeah. with blue watercolor all over the place, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe throw in some lens flares. <laughs> True. <laughs>
1: well, at least out the outside shots, you know, there's some nice fluffy clouds and things. But, yeah, in the ship, the background is pretty light on detail. Yeah, no,
0: when they want to do it, it looks fantastic. Yeah. But then a lot of times, it's just... That that style, just the washed out blue style. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I I I, I do have one more thing to say. Is okay when they fire the photon torpedoes, it looks like they're firing a poop load of them. I mean, uh, even counting on the one panel, I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, there there must be like twenty of them there and it's like i mean they look like bullets i mean they they actually looks more like a phaser fire quite frankly but you know they say photon torpedoes and there's like 15 jillion of them that, that shoot out and it's like I, um that's cool that they work that way now but they kind of look like phasers and they must have a lot of photon torpedoes right <laughs> they're not all
0: coffin shaped ah uh, yeah yeah, no, and, and there's, like, three streams of them going at the same time. Right, so. three streams of them, and they are right
1: after each other, like, in, you know, in, in in the three lines, and, right. um, yeah, that's a lot, so.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be that many, or if it's just supposed to show that they're moving, and that's their way of depicting, move, depicting movement, but it definitely looks like there's, like, each one's its own torpedo. Right, yeah. I just. I'm just now, do blasters, bla, uh, phasers on ships fire like that now, too? I know that they did on the Kelvin, but, like, it's not just a steady stream of energy anymore. It, it's the hyphens of Actually, energy. Actually, I, I thought the phasers were more like that. Were like what? Well, like.
1: Because it it's phased, right? So it isn't okay. just a, a single stream. Um, at least that's but traditionally we've what put
0: phasers it on, is. On. In the, in the old shows, it was always just a, a steady stream of energy. And well, even okay. and Voyager and everything was like that, too.
1: In Taws, uh-huh. I remember they actually had a close-up of a phaser firing. And it was more like that. It was not a solid stream. It was... I mean, you could see the gaps in some of the light right. coming off. I, I, know, but,
0: I know the shot you're talking but about. But I do
1: agree with you. Most shots, it looks like a solid beam. Yeah, right. and it, quite frankly, I don't remember. I hate to say this, but I don't remember exactly how they do it in the
0: movies. Right. Well, I know that when the Vengeance is attacking, it's the little hyphens and stuff. Right. I can't remember what the Enterprise. does. Oh,
1: is. and I thought I thought that's what the that's what the Enterprise does too. Okay. But, um, but that's phasers, not photon torpedoes. So I, I, right. I don't get it. Right. I think even the Kelvin looked like that. I mean, when they showed the close-ups of the f- right. of the, phasers well, the firing, showed,
0: yeah, showed the close-up of the turrets and stuff. Right, too. exactly.
1: And I thought that was like you could actually see, you know, see the gaps yeah. between the little chunks of light. Right.
0: Know. Yeah, it made it look more Star Warsy than Star Trek. Cause well, Star Wars always showed blasters and turbo lasers and stuff going out that way. Well, and I and I remember Star Trek always being a steady stream. Well, but definitely
1: in general, I think you're right cuz it's too difficult to do anything else. I mean, right. costly anyway. Definitely the old TV show. Except for the few times they actually did show the little
0: gaps, but that was very rare. So and it was usually like blue, right? In that shot you're talking about, I keep I, I keep seeing it in my head. It was like blue blue little hyphens. Probably. Probably. Mm. Anyway, whatever, but I definitely think... I I know that when they're warming up a rock in Ah! a steady stream, that rock is nice and toasty. Exactly. That's what you want. Okay, (laughs) so...
1: Anything else on this one?
0: Um, nope. I I will say that the the chicken design seemed to have changed a little bit, because now it looks like they have four eyes sometimes.
1: Yeah, they have, uh...
0: The first, uh first issue? Right. It, it,
1: yes, or is that uh, some kind of, uh, some other kind of non-eye structure? I don't know. It looks a lot smaller. Even the babies have it. Yep. And yeah. and when you look at it on the adult, it does look like the same structure, only
0: the second set are much is much smaller. Smaller. Right. Right. Huh? right. And uh, I didn't go back and reread it all, but when did there... When did their universal translators start working? Because in <laughs> the whole first issue, it was all just chicken scratch, and then now it's actual words. Yeah.
1: I don't know, because that's a good question. Because when they actually try to explain universal translators, I, I thought they were built into the communicators or something. And when O'Hara is talking to them, first breaks through to them when the, when the interference lifts, I thought they didn't have any of their equipment... Except somehow the universal translators were still working. So, okay, that's universal translators, but how does the communicator – I mean, how is she able to talk to them? Yeah, um, good point. I mean, I mean, they're, don't you,
0: maybe they're doing next-generation communicators again. I don't – Because I've done that a time or two before. Did they? Okay. Yeah, I remember there was one where it actually showed Kurt tapping his chest, and it said, beep, beep, beep. No way. And no, man, they didn't.
1: We, yes, when?
0: It was a, what, in the comic it book? Was er, it was early on. Yeah, we gave it a hard time because it shouldn't have been like that. Oh, you don't remember? I don't remember that. I'll, I'll try to track down okay. the, the issue. But okay. yeah, it was it was one that we reviewed. Well, I definitely think they should not be...
1: Yes, make it flippy, but don't make it look like so big. <sighs> I mean, I, 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 I don't like the uh, the reboot communicators. Right. Anyway. So, um and I know you don't like the phaser and um the tricorders meh.
0: Right. Yeah, but Okay. We ready to move let's, on? let please. All right. So, this is issue 50. Big uh, It came out, uh let's see. October of 2015. There is several covers. So the first one is a wraparound cover, uh, and it shows all of the main crew, their heads. And then underneath them is the uh, Enterprise. The uh, RI cover is a black and white, uh, almost like a retro looking one. It even has like little, uh, as if it was a, a proof or something with the little dotted lines and stuff ready for uh, printing. But it's a black and white picture of uh, Kirk. Spock, Uhura, and McCoy with the Enterprise kind of swooshing behind it, saying it's Starfleet-approved action, a stellar 50th in-ish issue. Uh, and then the uh, sketch cover is just a big white piece of paper ready for someone to write on. And then the subscription cover is a shot, looks like from Enterprise, oh, I'm sorry, from the 2009 Star Trek movie. Showing Chekhov, Kirk Scotty, McCoy Sulu and Uhura So this issue Is entitled And uh, I, I don't really Know how to pronounce it but it's Live and then the Starfleet logo or a Little star logo and Then live again but spelt Backwards So I'm going to call it live live Part one of three kind of looks like a mirror reflection, maybe. Like a mirror reflection. Right. Yes. If you put a mirror right after the first live, it's what you would have seen in the mirror reflection. Good Good call. All right. So this is uh, picks up right after uh, the Banks 216 um, storyline. Uh, we hear Kirk's logs, and he's reporting that it's been smooth sailing since they left the Crescent Aliens. But suddenly, the Enterprise is caught up in an ion storm and moved hundreds of light years away to SETI Alpha system. Kirk seems to just roll with the punches and requests them to just warp back to where they started and pretend like none of this ever happened. Uh, going as far as saying that he's not even going to report it to command because what they don't, they, what they don't know won't hurt them. Very cavalier attitude. So Scotty reports that they're picking up life on Seti Alpha 5, which is supposed to be uninhabited. And then they are suddenly hailed from that very planet. The woman on screen begs that Kirk does not destroy them and that they surrender. Kirk is confused, especially when she tells him that she knew that the Enterprise would come and what it will do to them if they didn't pay the colonial tax. They just don't have any money, so... They're just begging for forgiveness. Kirk thinks this is just a huge misunderstanding, so he decides to beam down along with McCoy, Ahura, and Zand to work this out face-to-face. When they arrive, they are greeted by a cloaked man who says that they are just trying to live out in peace. He removes his cloak, and it turns out to be none other than Khan. Zand and McCoy immediately want to blast the man's face off. But Kirk orders them to wait until they can get some answers on how the Supermen have escaped. Kirk tries to contact Spock on the ship, and then Khan overhears this and mentions to one of his followers about the legendary Captain Spock. McCoy wonders why they're calling him Captain. Back in orbit, Commander Spock is informed that a new ship has arrived. It seems to be a darker colored version of the Enterprise itself, but with the registry number of ICC-1701. The Spock on our Enterprise and a goateed version on the new one say in unison, fascinating. The two Spocks communicate with each other and debate on the logic of the situation when a short-haired version of Ahura beams over with a squad of troopers and then they blast everyone on the bridge who is not a main character. With the NCC version of the Enterprise captured, the goateed Spock orders the bombardment of the colony below. On the planet, Khan and Kirk watch as the colony is destroyed from phaser fire from above. Khan blames Kirk and easily lifts the man with one hand Elsewhere in this universe A version of Kirk is meeting with a man named Mud About the killing of his former first officer And the retaking of his ship To be continued Mm Hmm.
1: So seeing Kirk's scruffy face With one of our favorite characters We just love
0: hardcore Fenton Mud, don't we? Harry? Uh, yeah, but this Fenton Mud looks a lot like Michael Bean, the actor from uh, Alien or Aliens, excuse me, and Terminator. Doesn't he look just? What like are him? you talking about? Re- let me let me get to that page again.
1: What you say? He looks like Michael Bean.
0: Yes, look at him. He also played Johnny Ringo and uh, now now he Doomstone. he he looks like
1: wh- what was the actor that that played Mud? It looks like He mud. does
0: not look like He
1: looks guy. like a younger version
0: of Mud. He looks nothing like he that. He looks like Harry Mud. This guy looks like Michael Bean. No! <laughs> Even with the, the, the
1: beard. That is fascinating how people can see such different things. I see a younger version of Harry Mud. That's what I see. Huh. Is that what you see? That's what I see. That's what I see. Wow. I do not see the, uh, the Marine
0: <laughs> from Aliens. Anyway, wow, that's funny. I thought for sure you would agree with me. Uh, that was a given for me. So he looks—he
1: looks, he looks <laughs> like 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 the guy from Terminator. You're saying,
0: right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Jo- uh huh. Kyle Reese from Terminator. <laughs> uh, uh, Hicks from Alien. Okay, well, I anybody listening, Johnny Ringo from anybody
1: actually <laughs> listening to this, I would love for you to, to comment on this episode to tell us who this person looks like who's talking to Kirk. Right. This version of Mud, who does he look okay. like? Okay. Now, mind you, he looks like a younger, smoother-faced version with with hair, but I'm mm. just saying. Wow. That's funny. Kyle Reese. Okay. Um, yet another Mirror Universe story, but this seems to be yet a different dimension than we have seen before. All right, Uhura, so this will be our third Mirror episode. They do go back to that well quite often, don't they? There are wonderful, amazing possibilities with it, but they do go back to it often. Because we haven't seen a Black Enterprise. So, a little more diversity right. here. That's good. And we haven't seen an Uhura with such a short haircut before, I don't think. Anyway, but Spock's got a you know, a beard again. So evil Spock is oh, beard. Yeah, he's rocking the goatee. Yeah, so that's, that's good. good. That's uh, how we know it's the mirror. Universe. <laughs> exactly. Well, you can't have a mirror universe story without a bearded Spock.
0: Okay. Right. So the 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 previous ongoing mirror episodes we've had, we've had one history where the Vulcans kind of took over the the world or the universe, right? And Spock was like this warlord or whatever, and or no 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 he was still subservient to the humans but they were destroying Vulcan or something i don't remember do you remember <laughs> <that was> <laughs> it's been a while but it was it, but we thought that was their version of the mirror universe episode and then later they did another mirror universe episode with uh female versions of all the male characters yeah. and now we got this one which is more in line with the what what would be traditionally thought of as the mirror universe right interesting how it appears as if
1: the original Khan story was re-implemented so they're on seti alpha 5 Mm -hmm. you know and they've been there
0: you know he no longer looks like
1: ricardo monto he no longer looks like yes very good point but kirk didn't put him on seti alpha 5 so how did he get there right um it's a, it's quite a hodgepodge of continuity from different stories. So, but that's the wonderful thing about mirror universe, isn't it? You can do anything you want, pretty much. Right. You just, you it's have... just a booyah base. It's like just, hey, let's go, let's throw this part and that part and that part and boom, you've got another dimensional story, mirror universe story. One, amazing.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Uh, a little menudo, whatever you want to, whatever you want to compare it to.
0: Agreed. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I was a stickler on you know the mirror universe has to be the mirror universe, but you're the one that actually uh, you pointed out that you know even though those other issues we were doing was a mirror universe, it wasn't necessarily the mirror universe. So Same. Yeah. I, I, I'm much more open to this uh, alternate mirror universes now than I was. You know. A year or so ago. Right, right. But, um, but yeah, I really want to know in, in this new continuity, in this other universe, how did Khan go from Ricardo Montalban to, um, uh,
1: Benedict uh, Cumberbatch? Bene-
0: Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. in that continuity, because he, he's a different character. He's all about peace and stuff. So, right. one, why did he get exiled off Earth? Two, um, you know, why would Starfleet change his face and then stick him and all his other people on a planet right. to, to colonize? Right. Lots of questions I won't answer to Sure. You.
1: The only thing we know about happened to Con and his people is they were put back into the suspended animation pods, right? Right. So, who knows what happened after that in the Star Trek continuity? I think it's extraordinarily unlikely, but somehow they could have been let go.
0: Uh, you but mean in the, the quote-unquote pri- in,
1: in the prime. New prime? In,
0: yes, right.
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but the thing is, Benedict didn't seem to recognize Kirk at Kirk. all. So, probably that didn't happen. So, no, I don't so. it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, is explained, or if it will be explained. It could just be, hey, Mirror Universe, baby, we roll loose and Loose and free. <laughs> so, and <laughs> right. just go
0: with it. Just go with it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm leaning more that way. Yeah. Exactly. But we just got to know what the rules are for this new universe. <laughs> right. And then I'll be all behind Exactly. You.
1: So interesting that the, the evil enterprise, and actually, I liked what you called it, Other Prize. You actually in your in your synopsis while you were going you you called it the other prize and then you corrected yourself and I was like <laughs> other prize oh that actually works anyway uh, the other the other prize is a synthetic human entity I forgot what his number was he instead of blue eyes he's got red eyes that's cool red eyes red eyes because that way you can tell he's the evil one because you can't put a goatee on him but Why I not? guess you well, I guess you could but. If data can grow one, so can he. Uh, yeah, and it, actually he is he's organic, right? This guy? Yeah. Crewman Krumen, Krumen like seven whatever seven thirty eight hike, whatever his name is, right? I mean right. he's made out of organic tissue. It's just he's synthetic, right?
0: Yeah, you're right. He's made out of uh synthetic parts that they use to clone replacement organs and stuff yeah somehow you organic
1: tissue thing. somehow yeah it, it yeah. And that wasn't the best story in the world quite frankly but it's cool to have him there anyway uh, another thing is i don't like how they've got better technology than we do darn them and so the way that they were able to beam through the enterprise shields so that probably means they've got better transporter tech right i mean it's the transporter tech being able to get through the shields is pretty impressive so, or they just knew what the... Uh, shield, shield frequencies? frequencies and would how be. would they know that?
0: Because it's a mirror. Uh, mirror on oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe you're right. Uh, yeah, but the way O'Hara was trash-talking, it sounds like they got better tech. Right. And, you know, that kind of makes sense.
0: So I don't, If I, you were Warrior Race, you would have to have the best tech.
1: Well, yes, and also the idea... And this was a very interesting one. Have you been watching uh, Legends of Tomorrow? New TV series? Uh, I haven't watched the newest episode, but I saw the first one. Okay, so in the second episode, towards the end, Vandal Savage, or was it in the first one? Eh, anyway. Where you got the nuclear war? Exactly, it yeah. was the first one. I, yeah, the first one. Um, so where he makes a comment about how many of the great advances of mankind technically came through uh, conflict. You know, nuclear power wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for World War II. Uh, you know, other examples where. It's through conflict that many advances w- were done. So I was listening to that going, oh, yeah, that's kind of like in the comic book. Maybe that explains that. How the uh, <laughs> the other guys that are always con- in conflict and doing war stuff... Uh, so there's a greater need, greater impetus for technical improvement. Right, I agree. So,
0: yeah. Right, but we've never seen that in any of the other Mirror Universe stuff. Right. So I'm just saying. Yes, we
1: were often on par or maybe better.
0: Right. Especially
1: in that, that DC1, uh,
0: the DC1. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, where we where we had the Excelsior just ahead of them or something.
0: Right. Not just leaps and bounds ahead of well, them. Oh no,
1: they had one. They had
0: they Oh, that's right. Yeah. They had their yeah. own
1: Excelsior, but but our better Excelsior allowed them to overcome some challenges. Right. Quicker than they would have otherwise. Yeah, so I just, I just don't like being behind, technology-wise. So I, I think this is going right. to be very interesting. This is, this is teeing things up to be uh, an interesting story.
0: Right. Now, I like it, and I like, you know, the, they're doing more than just giving him a beard and different clothes. I mean, Chekhov is rocking that mohawk. Oh, God. <laughs> <liked so much. laughs> is that a mohawk? I don't I mean, know. It's, 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 it's shaved on yeah, the sides. The sides of the his head
1: is all shaved off. But did we see him from the side to demonstrate? We saw him from the side. Did we?
0: Yeah. No, we saw him straight on and from the side. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he it is he's, a, mohawk. He's got a mohawk. It is a mohawk. Right. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, and then Ahora with that really short hair. Oh, okay. Which, which looks cute on her. So, but I gotta just point out: you see, check off from a from a profile,
1: and the hair doesn't go all the way down his back at the back of his head. And does it have to to be a mohawk? Well, I, that's what I thought of a mohawk being, but. Uh, whatever. Yeah, he's got a weird hair haircut. And now I know what you were right. talking about. At first, I didn't know what you were talking about when we were doing the other
0: issues. Okay. Oh, when I said that the hair talking Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get it. Okay. <laughs> right. And then, you know, obviously Khan has the, the long flowing locks. Yes, indeed he does. And he's peaceful, so there you go. Yeah, so uh, when I first saw the, the images of this issue, um, you know, in – ads and things like that. And I saw, you know, Con with the long hair. I thought he looked a like he looked like um that Chris Pine issue where we had his brother. Uh forgot his oh, brother's yeah. name David. Not David. Uh right. What's his brother's name? George. The one that George.
1: Did they actually did they actually call him George?
0: I don't remember. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, and he looked exactly like Chris Pine, but with a long with hair. With long hair. With long yeah. hair. <laughs> right. So I thought it, I thought he looked a little like this kind Right. Well,
1: you got to mix it up a little bit. you got to make him a little different. Why not long hair? Exactly. There you go.
0: Well, plus he, you know, that way he looks more like Ricardo Montalban.
1: Ah, <laughs> true. True. Exactly. <laughs> Especially in the uh, Wrath of Con one.
0: Cool. So, uh, right. I... I yeah. I really don't have anything else. How about nah, you?
1: Not really. I could say a few other things, but why drag it on? The, all the important things I have stated. Looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And how they get back through the ion storm. So, so this time, a mystery ion storm takes them to another dimension. It's just fascinating. All the, yeah, all the different things that will take you between dimensions. All right. Transwarp engines... Shuttle crafts in front and behind your ship.
0: Ion storms. (laughs)
1: It's just amazing.
0: Well, did you not think it was odd that Kirk is like, oh, we're hundreds of light years away? Eh, just get us back to where we were supposed to be. And and no one needs to hear about it. it." Okay,
1: so if there's an ion storm that messed with the ship like that, I think you'd want to at least report on that. So it's it's a hazard to navigation, right? Right.
0: Yes, and he's just, eh, we'll just... We'll get back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you're kidding. right?"
1: And not only that, wouldn't it be a scientific curiosity that you'd want to, from a scientific standpoint, know a little more about before you just left? Yeah, it's almost like having a wormhole. It could be, if you could somehow control it. Yeah. Exactly. But you need to understand it before you can actually take advantage of it. So, Exactly. There you go. In the original mirror-mirror episode, Mm -hmm. it was some kind of a storm that caused. That and the transporter, right? Right, that and the transporter. Okay, okay. So... Because they were beaming up at the
0: exact same moment.
1: so... Maybe that was an ion storm, too. I don't remember that detail. So, okay, so maybe there is some precedent for this, but still. Okay. Anyway, looking forward to seeing how this all works out. Right. Me too. Right.
0: Alright, cool. Well, if with that we want to close up shop, I'm thinking next week we should Go ahead and read ongoing up to issue fifty-three, since we do have. Those. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's keep it going. Yeah, I wanna. I wanna. It's always better. Not... I don't know if I can wait. I don't know if I can wait a couple of months or a month <laughs> to exactly.
1: find out what happens. Exactly. Let's try. If we don't have to break up a multi-parter, let's not.
0: Right. Well, we will because I'm sure fifty-three is going to end on a cliffhanger, but it's not going to be this big of a cliffhanger where we got Khan and Mirror Spock and. Ooh so many things and and mirror kirk trying to get a ship back right with michael and bean and michael
1: bean harry mud <laughs> <laughs> we need explanations on all these things all right well we'll find out next week okay thanks for joining us everybody on the review Later. thank you for listening to star trek comic book review all star trek stories and characters are copyrighted cbs studios incorporated All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star-t-comicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes, or friend us on Facebook at First Name, ST Comic, Second Name, Book Review see you next time on Star Trek comic book review Let's get the hell out of here